Welcome back to the Wrong Opinion, useless NBA trivia and garbage rankings. This is your first time. As always, make sure to check out the season one trailer so you know what we're doing. We're talking about the Philadelphia 76ers. We've got eight sections here. This is the fourth from, from the top. So at the bottom we have haven't made a finals, no title, single era, a few sustained runs. Right now we're in decades of terrible moments of greatness. And that's exactly what the Philadelphia 76ers have had. They've been around for 75 seasons. In that time, 52% winning percentage. 53 playoff appearances in 75 years. Pretty good. Only three titles. But each of those three titles were iconic. They started in Syracuse as the Nationals in 1949, one of the early, early teams. They lost the first finals they appeared in after winning 80% of their games. Really good. For that first stretch of Nationals years in Syracuse, they were led by Dolph Shays, one of the underrated greats. He led them to three finals appearances and a title in 1955, one of the first titles in NBA history. Definitely one of the first among those not in... I almost said Los Angeles, but it was the Lakers on Minnesota. They drafted a guy named Hal Greer, another underrated great, in their last few years at Syracuse, and then in 64, moved to Philadelphia, which was fortuitous because this guy named Wilt Chamberlain grew up in the area, drafted as a territorial pick by the Philadelphia Warriors. The Warriors moved out to Cali, and the Sixers took their spot in Philadelphia. Now, Wilt's got a lot of flaws, but... Iconic player, one of the eight best players of all time. You could say top five. I would say you're wrong. And that 76 team was fantastic. They were perfect. I'm going to talk more about Wilt and his effect on the team later. Uh, but 68 wins, that was, a, that was a record at the time. The greatest teams of all time. People usually stop in the 80s, and there's not really just any to talk about in the 70s. Maybe one or two in early 70s. But the 67 Sixers were one of the early great teams. Of course, don't want to discount everything the Celtics did for decades straight, but whatever. The Sixers didn't miss, didn't miss the playoffs until 1972 when Dr. Jack Ramsey was coaching. He had coached the last several years. Uh, they had Billy Cunningham, nice player. But 73, the worst season of all time, nine wins, 73 losses. Oof. Not great. They might have been the big winner of the ABA-NBA merger. 1976, they got Dr. J. Julius Irving, iconic ABA player. Don't have to talk about him too much right now. They went to their finals in, the, in his first year there. He took them to two more finals, so three total, by 1982. So in his first six years as a sixer, Dr. J. went to three finals, two conference finals, and a second round. 83, Moses Malone got traded to the Sixers. For Caldwell Jones. It was more of a signage trade than anything, but whatever. And they won the finals. Another iconic team. Three iconic titles. But they did not back it up. First year and out. Uh, first round and out next year. And then just not much to speak of for a long, long time. They got Chuck Charles Barkley in 1984. So that was a really, really nice, you know, trio of Chuck, Dr. J, Moses Malone. Also, you had Maurice Cheeks and a little bit of Andrew Tony late there. A lot of mistakes by the front office. First off, trading Brad Doherty, the rights to Brad Doherty for nothing. Uh, Chuck asked out after 1992. They missed the playoffs with 35 wins, and they sucked for a long time. Got the number one pick in 1996. They drafted Allen Iverson. Third year, took him to the uh, took him to the playoffs. 2001, he took them to the finals. This was not a good team. 
It was not a good East either. I've talked about this before, the early 2000s, bad East. But Allen Iverson willed his team to win a game off the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. That's impressive. Several years of, you know, middling, fine, made a playoff here or there. Andre Iguodala, we all like him. And then the process. We'll lose as many games as we can, trade our best assets to try to get this one player. They won 19 games, 18 games, 10 games in, in 2015. That's only one more than that 72 team. And they had a lot of really good talent and they ended up with two guys out of all of it. All the guys they traded and left, traded up in the draft, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. But there's a thing when you're okay with losing as a franchise, your players don't know how to win. They don't know how to be winners. The best they've gotten with Joel Embiid is the second round. They made it five out of six years to the second round and 2020 first round exit. Of course, Ben Simmons asked out. We don't have to talk about all that. Still pretty recent history. If you're okay with losing, you're not going to have a lot of success. But let's get to the rankings. First off, our point guard, this is an easy one, Maurice Cheeks. Now, first off, he is still their all-time leader in assists and steals. He came to the team in 1978, so amidst the... Uh, the Dr. J era, and was there all the way to 1990. Now only had a couple All-Stars, four All-Star games, including one in 83, when there were four guys that made it to the All-Star game. Doesn't happen a lot. He wasn't much of a scorer, peaked at 15 late in his career, but 13 during the time when the team was actually good. Uh, but efficient, 52% from the field for his career. Nice passer, seven a game for his career. Tremendous defensive player. Couple steals a game for his entire career. He stepped up big in a couple playoff spots, 79 second round, the only time they didn't make the conference finals in that first stretch pre-Moses. Seven game series, seven game loss to the Spurs, 20 points a game, almost 60% shooting. In the 83 finals, 15 points, six assists, 55% shooting. That is my dude, tremendous defensive player. Uh, Five-time All-Defense, four-time First Team. Was never All-NBA. There's only two teams back then, but even so. Maurice Cheeks, First Team Shooting Guard. Uh, this is tremendously obvious. This is Allen Iverson. I say that, but when I get to the second team, it might be closer than we think. He played 12 seasons in Philly. Really, it was more like 10 and a half. He played there 10 years, traded out in 2007, and then 25 games in 2010 as, as a washed-up guy. Now there's this thing when you average 42 minutes a game for your career and don't sleep and just throw your body across the floor all the time, you're gonna have a short career. He had a really, really short peak. Everybody loves AI, I love him too. A lot of his stats are misleading. Led the league in points per game four times. One of them was in that gross 99 season. He had 27 points per game and that was the league leader. Ugh. But he also led the league in minutes seven different times in his career, six times with Philly. So of course you're gonna have high scoring nights. But at the same time, being on the court that long, that's a skill itself. But I'm not gonna talk trash about Allen Iverson. He's, you know, the low efficiency, the turnovers, whatever, because when you watch him, it's mesmerizing. Even a lot of players don't translate, you know, on YouTube. I, I think Dwayne Wade is a player that's gonna be a little bit forgotten just because it doesn't, you know, feel the same as when you watched it happen even though he was very flashy. Allen Iverson, you can watch the highlights all day. Uh, what are you gonna say? Now, all time in uh, Sixers rankings, doesn't rank very high. There are so many great players with this franchise who played a little bit longer. He's second in steals, third in assists, second in points, almost 20,000, scored with the Sixers. And he's actually first in three-pointers. That might be his weakest offensive 
tool is the three, but almost made a thousand. That's kind of because he jacked up a lot too. Shot 31% from three for his career. Last stat I'm going to throw from 1999 to 2008. So a year and a half after he left Philly, he averaged 25 points per game. That's really good. Societal icon. Love the man. First team, small forward, fellow icon, Julius Irving. His icon, his iconography, that's a word. It's more mysterious because when he was at his peak, we didn't see him play when he was with New York in the ABA. And a lot of the NBA stats don't really jump out at you. He played 11 years in Philly, 11 years in the NBA. 22 points per game. You know, seven rebounds, four assists, great team player. Understood the secret, understood the moment. Uh, underrated defensive player, two steals and 1.7 blocks per game for his Philly career. That's really good. High percentage guy, didn't have much of a jumper. You don't need a three back then, but you kind of need a jumper. But there are so few players like him, electric players, high flying players who understand the secret and being okay not being the best player on a team. In 1983, so he won the MVP in 1981. Moses won it in 82. And then Moses came to his team in the 1982 offseason. And he deferred to Moses. He was fine. He wanted the title. It's very Dwayne Wade-esque. That's my second Dwayne Wade reference of the night. Promise that's the last. He ends up fourth in points, just shy of 20,000. I think if you include ABA, he's in the 30,000 point club. Let's double check that. Yep. 30,026 points combined NBA and ABA. But we do not care about that. So top five in a lot of things, assists, steals. Number one in blocks, though, almost 1,300. I think we're getting to a point where Dr. J is officially underrated, and it's kind of a bummer. First team power forward. I kind of struggled with this one almost because I wanted to make an aesthetics pick. Not even an aesthetics pick. I, I just like picking the old guys sometimes. But I think it's clear that first team is Charles Barkley. A lot of you guys might be like, yep, it's obvious. Duh, it's Chuck. The other guy had more success. The other guy won a title. But this, it was also a harder league in the late nine, in the early 90s, late 80s, so it's it's clearly Chuck. Only eight seasons with Philadelphia. That's kind of a long time. That's as long as Shaq and Kobe stayed together. Back then, that felt like a blink, you know? In that time, 23 points per game. He peaked in, he had several different peaks. Probably his best was 1990 when he thought he should have won MVP. 25 points per game, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 53 wins. The great thing about Chuck is he can play t uh, three and four, but he plays big. So ideally back then you would want a, a big, a center playing power forward who can pass in a big bruising center and play him at small forward and just own the front court. You know, like if they didn't trade Moses and Brett Doherty for Roy Henson in an aging Jeff Rowland, who hasn't played in forever, but whatever. For his career, for his Philly career, Barkley shot 58% from the field. But from two, he shot 61%. Five years in a row, he led the league in two-point percentage, around 64, 63%. So why was his field goal percentage so low? Because he was a dreadful three-point shooter, 26% from the three for his career, but just insisted on jacking up two or three a game. He got a little more reckless with his shot taking in Phoenix. His percentages went down. He also got older halfway through that run. But with Philly, he was incredibly efficient. Tremendous rebounder, led the league in 87 with 15 rebounds a game. Again, as basically a big, small forward, he's considered a power forward, so I'm calling him that, but he's six foot four, maybe. Kind of a zero on defense, but tried hard. 
Got some steals. Got a lot of blocks for a little dude too, but so many turnovers. 1987, 4.7 turnovers a game. That's James Harden level. He doesn't lead the franchise in anything, but he's top 5 to 10 in pretty much everything, including blocks, assists, steals, and of course, rebounds and points. Third in total rebounds. He is first in both defensive and offensive rebounds, but that's because they didn't count those stats until the 80s. First team center. Now this one is tough. You have two guys, both of whom won MVPs, both of whom who won titles with the team, but only stayed for four years. I'm going with Wilt Chamberlain. I don't feel great about it. Wilt had, Wilt had a better career. That's undeniable. But Moses was there for a little bit longer. But this was also when Wilt kind of figured it out, you know? Wilt led the league in points for his first seven years, including his first first seven years, the last year and a half of which was with Philly. He got traded the year before, again, to rejoin Philadelphia, rejoin that city. In 1967, he dropped down. So he was consistently over 30 a game every single year, once over 50, once over 40. 1967 dropped down to 24 points per game and they won the title. <laughs> so that just goes to show you there's more to basketball than just scoring the ball. And then he got obsessed with, with passing, one to be the greatest passing big man of all time, which, you know, 15 years into the league, not hard to get. But he led the league in total assists in uh, 68. That's what they counted back then, so it works. He also won three straight MVPs, one of three guys to do that. Should have been Jokic this year, but whatever. We'll get to that on our third team. Wilt doesn't rank high in much, but he is fifth in rebounds, despite only playing in Philly for... Oh, the, despite playing for the Sixers, I should say, uh, less than 300 games. But I mean, you average 24 rebounds a game, you're you're gonna rank. So that's our first team: Mo Cheeks, Allen Iverson, Dr. J, Charles Barkley, Wilt Chamberlain. Second team: Point guard going Larry Costello. Sorry, it's not Ben Simmons. So Costello played his first two years with the Philadelphia Warriors, different franchise, ended up becoming the Golden State Warriors. Uh, he did have a U.S. Army, did not play on his resume. That happened back then, doesn't really happen now. And then ended up fi finishing his career last 10 years with Syracuse and then Philly. Numbers don't jump out, 13, 5, and 4 for his career. But it's hard to put anybody over him. There are not a lot of great point guards in franchise history. There's two recent guys, both of them had short careers and ugly, ugly departures. So I'll take the guy who won a title, 1967. He wasn't a starter at this point, 20 minutes a game, but he was one of the best players on a title team. So there you go. Tremendous free throw shooter for the time, 84% for his career, twice led the league. Now in franchise history, he is eighth in assists. Ain't bad. And that's about it. But I just kind of challenge you to find a better option. Also a Hall of Famer, but they just kind of gave that to anybody back then. Second team shooting guard. Closer than you would have thought, clearly not first team, but this is Hal Greer. Fun fact, who is the franchise leader in points scored? Clearly it's Hal Greer, otherwise I wouldn't be talking about him right now. You've got nine guys with 10,000 points scored. He is the only one with 20,000. 21, 5, 8, 6. Second best player on the 67 team that won the title. 22 points a game that year. And in the playoffs, 27. My dude stepped up big. For his career, 19 points score, over 20 a game pretty much consistently from 62 all the way to 1970. Uh, All-star throughout the entire 60s, all-NBA player a couple times. Never first team, 
Seven straight second teams. That's almost more impressive than if he got a first team. There's no argument here. He stepped up big, good score, great second banana. Leading scorer on a team that won a title. More impressive than that, leading scorer on a team that won a title that featured Wilt Chamberlain. So, yeah, okay. Second team, small forward, your boy Billy Cunningham. He was on a lot of bad teams. He did win the 67 title. He was only playing 22 minutes a game, 15 points per game in the playoffs there. Uh, and then he kind of, he he got the torch passed to him once Wilt left, once Hal Greer got older. Four straight all-stars for Philly. 25 points a game, 26 points a game, 23, great rebounder. Uh, he was a straight up small forward, six foot six. But for his career, 10 rebounds a game, peaked at 13.6. Yeah, should be an MVP in there. There were a couple bad MVPs in the 1970s because people just wanted to give it to a center. There's not an MVP player from any position other than center from 1964, Oscar Robertson, all the way to 1981, Dr. J. Uh, most importantly, Billy Cunningham left in 1972 to go to the ABA and Philly won nine games. So that's about it. 13,000 point club for the Sixers. Fourth and rebounds, about 7,000. It's pretty cool. Second team, power forward. I wanted to go first team. I love Chuck. I just wanted to, I don't know, do something incredible, I guess. But Dolph Shays, our second team power forward. Long, long career for the era, 15 years. When he retired, he had the record for most games played. He was second in scoring behind Bob Pettit and third in rebounds all time. First player ever to get 15,000 points and 10,000 rebounds. He's the master of the set shot, kind of proving that maybe he couldn't make it today. He had no post game, he couldn't make his own shot, but this is the 50s, who cares? Great shooter for the era, tremendous rebounder. He is their all-time franchise leader in rebounds. The only guy over 10,000, he's got 11, 2, 5, 6. Led the league in free throw percentage three times, 85% for his career. One of the first guys to hit 90%. I wanted to double check that he wasn't the first. The first was Bobby Wanzer, 1952, then Bill Sharman, 1957, and then Dolph Shays. Here's your fun fact for the day. Uh, Dolph Shays, one of the underrated greats, just because he played in the 50s, and I always probably rank these guys a little bit too high. Uh, he had a son who played, you know, good solid career. Uh, Dolph died eight years ago, RIP Dolph, one of New York's finest, the rainbow kid. Second team center, is clearly Moses Malone. Played there four years, won an MVP, won a title, and then just kind of, the team kind of faded first round and out the year after. They had that iconic faux 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 run in 1983 where he said they were gonna sweep their way to a title. Uh, they ended up losing one game throughout it, whatever. Uh, but that year he averaged 25 points, 15 rebounds. Nice change of pace from the year before where he needed to uh, be much more of a scorer. There's nothing to dislike about the way that Moses played. He was a banger. He put his big butt into anybody and grabbed whatever rebound he wanted. The greatest offensive rebounder of all time and could score mostly based off those rebounds and his size and strength. He was sub 50% from the floor for his career. Even in that MVP 83 year, 50%, that's, you know, it's solid. You want it higher for a big center. But when you're grabbing your own F offensive rebounds, seven times a game like you're fine you know you're good now he doesn't rank high in anything because again he only played there four years and will prove that you kind of need to average 25 points 25 rebounds a game if you're gonna if you're gonna rank in anything on that short a career and there are a lot of guys from philly who have played long long careers 
Moses also died same year, 2015, just a couple months before Dolph Shays. So RIP to both. Remember you as one of the worst interviewers of all time and the guy who handed Magic his first loss in the finals. In those finals against a team that had won two titles before and had Kareem and Magic, 26 points, 18 rebounds. Enough said. That's our second team, Larry Costello, Hal Greer, Billy Cunningham, Dolph Shays, Moses. Third team. Ah, oh, I hate this question. I hate this one. Because again, they're just not a lot of good point guards in franchise history. I hate myself for it. I think I'm going Ben Simmons. Is that fair? He was one of the best defensive point guards in the league for four years. Three-time All-Star, All-NBA guy. Choked on a historical level in the 21 playoffs. Couldn't make a free throw and then stopped taking free throws. In those playoffs, he shot 40, he shot 34% from free throws. But he's an all-time triple, he was an all-time triple-double guy. And really the only other argument, I guess he got like, uh, we'll talk about these in hardest cuts, but like maybe Drew Holiday played some time there. You got Wally Jones, maybe. Paul Seymour. And then you could say James Harden. I know that James Harden, shooting guard for his peak, but he really transferred to a point guard when he went to the Sixers. It's not like I hate your one position and that's it, but he's a different player than he was back then. But I think I'm going with Ben Simmons and I hate myself for it. I almost want to leave this possession, this position blank. Uh, you can go Eric Snow because he costs his team so, so much, whether it's by being an immature choker, whether it's by asking out. But four seasons, not a small sample size, three all-stars. Maybe it's prisoner of the moment that's making me not want to put him here. So it's it's Ben Simmons. Ah, second though, all time in triple doubles. Will Chamberlain commanding lead 62. Ben Simmons number two with 32 triple doubles. It, it's a meaningless stat, but it kind of shows, you know, for the most part, who was at least pretty good. Tremendous player, tremendous athlete. He's got a yip, the yips on a historical level right now, but whatever. Third team shooting guard going Andrew Tony. Now, just based off his stats, he's like not a guy that you'd ever be like, he's one of the top few players in the league. And then he only played eight years in the NBA. Basically missed his last three years for the most part. But for a time there, he was the most feared man in Boston. His nickname was the Boston Strangler. Just in playoff moments, he stepped up big and he dominated microwave score. Let's just go through some of these playoff series. In the 82 finals, they end up losing six games. 26 points per game, 53%. Oh boy. The round before against Boston, seven game series, 22 points per game. And that was the series where that Boston Strangler nickname came about. He would just single-handedly dominate games, specifically against that team, that rival. Game seven, 82, 34 points to ice it. That's a winning player. That's my favorite type of player. He wasn't always super efficient. I think he, ah, I think he, be I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I think he, when you have a title team as iconic as the 83 Sixers, you can put that entire freaking starting five in there. Speaking of which, just kidding, we're going to small forward. Small forward, third team, Chet Walker. Another underrated all-time guy. Seven years in Philadelphia. Uh, first year actually in Syracuse, but whatever. Three all-stars with the Sixers slash Nationals. 16 points a game. Very nice player. With Chicago, he became more of a ball-dominant scorer than he was with Philly. But in Philly, he was playing with Wilt Chamberlain. So you're not going to shoot that much. That's fine. Third best player on the title team, 21.7 points per game. Exactly the same that Wilt was scoring. Just keeping up with Wilt. Chet doesn't rank too high on any stats. 
but he's a Hall of Famer, 1,000 games played. That's not worth mentioning. Seven All-Stars, zero All-NBA teams. No All-NBA teams for a Hall of Famer. He was a late selection, 2012, which is, you know, 50 years after he retired. Uh, fun fact, though, he's from Benton Harbor, Michigan, about 10 minutes from my hometown. Didn't know that. 13 power forward, this is Baba Jones, the minister, the secretary of defense. Not the minister of defense, uh, that's Reggie White. Bobby Jones, Hall of Famer, one of the early smart trades in the NBA. So in the late 70s, they had Dr. J and they had George McGinnis. George McGinnis, this ball-stopping, good scorer, good rebounder, but just a ball-stopper, not a winning player. At the same time, Denver had this guy, Bobby Jones, scored 15 a game, high, high percentages, uh, good passer, but just insane defender, one of the best defensive players of his generation of all time. Normally, you would want McGinnis, right? He's the star. But no, Bobby Jones is better. He fits better with a guy like Dr. J, who should be the star of the team. Bobby Jones ended up being, he was mostly a sixth man, coming in for 25, 28 minutes a game to just wreak havoc on the defensive end. Won the first sixth man of the year. That was in 1983, first player for the new award. He didn't score, he didn't rebound as much as he wanted to, but again, you have Dr. J and Moses. You're kind of fine in that front. Uh, but just incredible defensive player. Seventh all-time in steals, fifth in blocks for the Sixers. And more importantly, because those stats can lie, all defense, first team every year from 73 to 84. Second team in 85. Champion. Book it. Third team center, Joel Embiid. Uh, I am not a fan of Joel Embiid. Seems like a great guy. Uh, good style of play. Scores, rebounds. I don't like guys that choke in the playoffs, and that's exactly what he does. He averaged 33 points per game this season. Two straight years leading, leading the league in points. Two straight years dropping hard in the playoffs. 30 points last year, 33 points per game this year. Both years, 24 points a game in the playoffs. Second round exit. Never made it past the second round. Already six years into the NBA. Uh, he deserved MVP. That's fine. I probably would have given it to Jokic, but doesn't matter. He had trouble staying on the court early. Missed the first two and a half years of his career. Uh, been a little more healthy recently. 66 games, but that's kind of the norm at this point. I do hope he ends up staying in Philly, and I do hope that he figures out what's going wrong, because I, I, you know, I want great players in the NBA. I feel like that's not weird, even if they're not players that I like. I want him to figure it out and not be a losing player. But he does have, like, everything you'd want in a score. He has low post game, he has range, he has handles, and a very good passer, tremendous defensive player, sixth in blocks, eighth in points. Joel Embiid, hope you figure it out. Hardest cuts, Drew Holiday. Uh, ended up being a beloved player by a lot of people, including me. Uh, but never quite great, especially with the Sixers. Ah, I might have put him third team. I don't know. Uh, James Harden, a year and a half there. Transformed his career in a really interesting way. Uh, going from ball-dominant shooting guard to a legitimate point guard. Um, but only a year and a half there. Uh, Doug Collins, awesome player. Hersey Hawkins, short career. Uh, Doug Collins, just not as good as... That's it, it, a hard position. Andre Iguodala, one of my favorite players ever, but not quite. Uh, George McGinnis, Steve Mix, Red Kerr, and Daryl Dawkins, I think I want to mention. One of the early high school guys ended up having a nice career. There's really three guys pre-KG that came right out of high school. Bill Willoughby didn't make it. Moses Malone definitely made it. And Daryl Dawkins, who kind of made it, had a good solid career. And shattered some backboards. Not that that helped him win. If you guys hate my wrong opinions, tweet me at 
Wrong Opinion NBA. We will be back next week. We're breaking into this new section. We're out of the section titled Decades of Terrible Moments of Greatness into a two-team section titled A Single Dynasty, Nothing More. Two teams that dominated for an extended amount of time, but outside of that, not much to write home about. Can you guess who they are? Till then, peace out.